0: Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we give you joy and thanks for the opportunities we have to be together for the focus this day on you, Lord, for our understanding and our journey uh, to and through discipleship, Lord, we seek to be faithful followers and we don't really always know what that means or how it looks or what that means for us. Lord, help us. Help us to hear that call today. Help us to hear that call this month. Help us, Lord, to hear you as you seek to speak to us through your holy word. Lord, set me aside uh, that your word may be heard today, not to me. In your name I pray. Amen. Have you ever set a meeting with a friend and they never showed up? Were you supposed to go on a date and you were stood up. A couple weeks ago I was supposed to have a meeting that I had to change for unforeseen circumstances and I regretted doing it but after contacting everybody and following through people seem to appreciate it and I appreciate when people do that for me but it seems that commitment is waning. A while back George Bonner reported that the level of commitment actually is on the downfall. Adults feel they have fewer close friends People are less willing to join social organizations, military, or labor unions. More business deals are following through, more marriages are breaking up, and more people who commit to attend events fail to show up. Unfortunately, that sounds like a person's commitment to Christ seems to be following along this same direction. Barnard also reports about a tracking research survey that over two decades, they showed Americans are softening in their practice of Christianity. And that came out the beginning of last year, which was even before COVID. And as we know, that downturn has even become sharper in the last 18 months. But do you know what? That can change, that will change here at Emmanuel. We have each other, and we have an amazing God who makes it possible for us to turn it around. But if we call ourselves followers of Christ, if we seek to follow Christ, we each need to heed and hear the call that Christ makes us of care and concern and consistency that God offers when we seek to make Him a priority in our life. That's what today's scripture is about. That's what this new series is about as we journey it together. And Jesus addresses these concerns in today's scripture along with the cost as we see and hear the story of three potential disciples. But this is what I want you to do. Think about, as you hear this story, which one of these disciples are perhaps you most like? So let us get a scripture out together. Bibles that you brought with you online. I encourage you to grab your Bible or devices. Let us look at the Gospel of Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes. And the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. The story about Julius Caesar, when he landed on the shores of Britain with the Roman legions, he wanted to take a bold and decisive step to ensure the success of this military venture. So he got his crew together and invited them to go to the edge of the cliffs of Dover and to look over. And as they looked over, they saw their ships. They were inflamed. Caesar had intentionally set the ships to burn, meaning that there was no possibility of retreat. So the soldiers only had one option. They couldn't return to their continent. There was nothing left for them to do but to advance and conquer. And that's exactly what they did. Just before today's scripture, Jesus had foretold his future for a second time. The disciples still weren't quite understanding what it is and where it is that Jesus was going and who they were called to do and what they were called to do. Their life's about to change. Their future is on the line. Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. When he gets to Jerusalem, you know where he ends up? On the cross. A commitment to Christ is a commitment to the redemptive work of God through Jesus. A commitment to Christ is a commitment to the the redemptive work of God through Jesus. And that's what he gave his life for. A work that he seeks to do in and through each of us. A work that so desperately needs to be done through three people this morning in today's scripture who seem to find themselves at the crossroads of faith the crossroads of faith will they follow christ or not and what does that mean for them the cost the commitment and the consistency of god on their journey but as we take this journey again i invite you to look at your own journey where might you be and where might one of their paths be actually your path today so look at verses 57 and 58 What did the first man tell Jesus? I will follow you wherever you go, but what did Jesus say? Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay, what, his head. Travel agencies, vacation destinations, airlines, anybody who does in this travel industry has been desperately seeking to lure people out. To lure people to take the adventure begin. There are often these great sales. and, And I admit, it looks pretty appealing, right? We haven't gotten out in a while. But when you look behind the scenes, when you read the fine prints, even though these savings are appealing, we see the real cost. It usually becomes a different story of where you stay or what you're allowed to do. I wonder if this first potential disciple had seen the advertisements The places that he would end up going with his travels if he followed Jesus. He's saying, I'm willing to go anywhere, Jesus, but does he really know where he's headed? Does he really know the real cost that it would take? The cost for this potential disciple is not only everything he has, but everything that he is. A disciple is one who wants to be like the one they follow. For us to be, disciples, to, to be disciples of God, we have a great example in Jesus. It takes, dis, it takes committed disciples to build God's kingdom. God's kingdom, as we talked about this summer in our series through the Sermon on the Mount. My journey, my journey for you, or my journey as one of your pastors, is not to be, or excuse me, is to be like Christ, but I'm not asking you to follow me. I'm asking you. To follow Christ. I will do my best. To exemplify. But God speaks to each of us. He calls each of us to be that example. And the spirit gives us. To make that calling a reality. So what do we do? We seek to fill our lives. We seek to fill our days. But life seems unfulfilled. Are we seeking fulfillment? Or are we seeking God? A disciple seeks God no matter the cost. A disciple gets that. So here's the question. Are we willing to make the deposit or do we want to just look at the brochure? The world, this community, desperately needs more disciples. So let me be honest, the cost of discipleship are real. They're deep They're life-changing. If we want to know Jesus better and reflect his kingdom, we must be willing to pay them. But the cost is worth it. In regards to the second potential disciple, Jesus asked the question, follow me. Look at verse 59 and what happens. The first man says, let me go and bury my father. But Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. The first disciple, it seemed to be an issue of cost. But for the second disciple, what's the issue? It's a matter of priority. Which disciple do you find yourself more like? The request of the second man to first bury his father seems reasonable. Right? I mean, wouldn't we want to do that? Or wouldn't that be possible? Or isn't that okay to ask permission to do? And Jesus seems to be rather harsh in his response. But I think we understand the context and look at it more closely we understand what Jesus is saying. We're really not sure in the text if the man's father is actually dead or not. Many people believe that if he had died just recently, then he would be with his family and he'd be taking care of the arrangements and the details. So either he's not died or he's died a while back. Jewish tradition was clear that a man was to, uh, to bury his father. Another tradition was that on the anniversary of the first of his death, the dead man's bones were reburied in a box so if the man is telling jesus that his father is dead then he's telling jesus i need to wait and bury my father after a year so i can take care of my responsibility of the bones if the father was not dead he's telling jesus i need to wait till my father's till my father does die and then i will go and follow you in either case it's showing a lack of of commitment a one of hesitation, a lack of priority. How is it in every aspect of our life do we make God a priority? I heard forever as a kid growing up that God's first. Who's second? Others, and who's third? Self, right? We've heard that. Have you heard that before? But where I've struggled with that and and come to realize is if we try to make God first in our life and everything, Until we completely satisfy it so that we can spend time with others and self, we never make it. But to reorient that is to make God first in everything in our life. The only way for God to be that priority is for him to be first in everything. Our work, our possessions, and yes, even our family. And when God is that priority in each event in our life, then everything else seems to fall in place. The second man missed Jesus' call to urgency, a call to discipleship to share the good news with all. The first man told Jesus he would follow him wherever he goes, but does he know the cost? Jesus asked the second man to follow him, but is he willing to make God a priority in every aspect of his life? Let's look at the third disciple. Verse 61 talks about the third man He tells Jesus, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say goodbye to those at home. What an interesting response Jesus seems to make here. No one, no one, uh, he says, who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Seems to be a reasonable request that this third potential disciple makes. And Jesus appears once again to harshly respond. But once again, it's a matter of commitment. A disciple must be committed. We're all committed to something. What did you come to church committed to this morning? You're here, that's commitment. What are we committed to afterwards and during the week? The key word here in verse 61 is that the man says, first, let me say goodbye. If he's saying first, let me go say goodbye, then he must be in conversation with Jesus. He's already there following Jesus, so he must be hanging out with him. Probably a little internship or or a trial, right? It's a two-week trial to say, let me see if I want to follow you, Jesus, or not. And if I do, then great. if I don't, maybe not. So let me go back and say goodbye at home, and then I'll come back and follow you. Well, what do we do before somebody leaves home? What do we do when somebody comes back and says hello? We celebrate. We have parties. We have dinners. We invite friends over. You want to speak to everybody. You want to be sure to say everybody goodbye. But we see that what's happening here, that takes a while. That could take weeks. Jesus is asking for a commitment now from him. He had not surrendered his home to God. When we hold on to God, God takes better care of our family and friends than we ever can. Jesus is calling him to a commitment now. Jesus wants us to be all in. You remember Peter and James and John? When Jesus called them, what were they doing? They were fishing. And what did they do? They dropped their nets and followed him. When we commit to follow Jesus, it's not half-hearted. It's not conditional. It's not after I get this and this and this done. It's all or nothing. What do you think is perhaps one of the greatest obstacles for a person to answer the call to discipleship? Go ahead and answer. Maybe, what what about for you, if you're willing to say? Family? Ego? Ego? What else? Money. Money? Time? How about fear? Fear seems to prevent us from committing to discipleship. When we do that, we're living in a world where we're focused on the scarcity rather than on abundance. In other words, we're more concerned about what we have to give up than what perhaps that we have that we can offer to someone else or even gain from this. My dad's a farmer. When he prepares a field, he buys a seed, he plants it, he's committed It's going to do whatever it takes to make that crop grow, and if for some reason the weather happens and it can't grow, then you plant the seed again and hope it will work. This time, you start over. You ever drive around and see the pretty fields? It amazes me that you continue to see how even the rows are or how together they are even if they curve around. It's not possible to look in the rearview mirror and plant a field, but we have to look Forward. We have to look ahead. When we seek to plant the seeds of discipleship, we must consider the cost and accept them. We seek to make God a priority in everything in our life and be committed to follow Christ. It's time, Emmanuel. It's time for us to look forward no matter what we've been through. It's, you can't wait any longer. Have we become too relaxed in our relationship with God? Have we become too comfortable in our relationship to God? The purpose of today and this series and our discipleship is calling us back to make that commitment. Maybe it's in an area we've been involved in, or maybe perhaps in a new area that we've never explored or thought about before. But to put our faith into action, to engage in this work that Christ calls us to do. What are we waiting for? If we wait to get our life back in order, if we wait till this pandemic is over with, if we wait till things are back to normal, we'll never get started. Jesus calls us to discipleship. It's a real call. It's an urgent call. It's not one to be taken casually or gradually. When's the perfect time? Now. When is it Perfect today, before it's too late. I close with this illustration from Pavarotti. He relates a story about his life, about when he was a boy, and his father, Baker, introduced him to the wonders of song. He urged me to work very hard to develop my voice. There was a professional tenor in town in in Italy, and he took him as a pupil. Pavarotti also enrolled in the teacher's college, and when he graduated, he asked his father, Father should I be a singer or should I be a teacher? And his father replied, if you sit if you try to sit on two chairs, you will fall be, be, excuse me, you will fall between them. For life you must choose one chair. I chose one, he said. It took 7 years of study and frustration before he made his first professional opinion of, of appearance. And it took another 7 to reach the Metropolitan Opera. And now I think whether it's laying bricks, writing a book, or whatever we choose, we should give ourselves to it. Commitment's the key. We have to choose one chair. I think that's perhaps of where we are. We live in a world in which we're offered two chairs. One in which to follow the world and sit in the world, and one in which to follow Christ. We can't sit in between. We can't sit on the edge of one. We want to keep our feet in both places, but it's too risky to jump back and forth. We must choose one. My hope and desire for us as the church and for people who call ourselves disciples is that we'll answer the call to discipleship. Not for my sake, but for yours and your family's sake. To free ourselves from the burdens of this world and to transform transform the world for those to come while we still have a chance. Thank goodness. Christ's example makes it possible. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Lord, we seek to walk this faithful journey together. And we recognize and realize that there are many bumps along the, wo- wo- along the road and Lord, there's many obstacles in which we think are hard to overcome. But Lord, we recognize that you make it possible. Lord, I pray for safety. I pray for uh, understanding and discernment in the days ahead. Lord, I recognize that it's hard and it's difficult. Lord but this call to discipleship doesn't change and so as we seek Lord to be faithful to the call may you lead each one of us as you've gifted and equipped us Lord may you lead this church as we seek to share in what it means to do the work that Christ has called us to do in your name I pray Amen.